0: Safeway makes it easy to save at the pump with your club card because you can use up to $0.20 per gallon in Safeway gas rewards at participating Chevron and Texaco stations. Get more mileage out of your grocery budget, up to $0.20 per gallon. When you shop more at Safeway, you save more at Chevron and Texaco. Maximum reward at participating Chevron or Texaco stations is $0.20 per gallon in a single fill-up, up up to 25 gallons. Cannot be combined with any other Safeway gas reward offer. Restrictions and exclusions apply. See complete details at Safeway.com or in-store.
1: Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to Be ball Breakdown and our podcast. I am pleased to have Ben Bolch, the LA Times beat writer for the LA Clippers. And Ben, thanks for coming on the show. I'm really excited to talk a little bit about what's happening with the best basketball team uh, in Los Angeles.
2: Sounds great. Thank, thank you for having me on.
1: So let's start off first because it was weird. I was having a discussion with one of our writers, I think it was a day ago, about how Jamal Crawford is the guy they probably should trade to make the next step up and get better so they can make a run for a deep in the deep in the playoffs. So where did all this stuff happen? I woke up and all of a sudden I turned on the news and, and there it is, Jamal Crawford's being shocked. So what's the latest on how that all evolved?
2: Well, I think, um, as you probably know, the Clippers don't have a lot of assets right now. They've traded away uh, some of their first-round draft picks, including one uh, that they shipped out in the Jared Dudley trade. Uh, You know, they they moved one to get Doc Rivers. Um, So they don't have a lot of assets right now beyond Jamal Crawford. Their bench, as we know, has been a a sore spot all season as far as a dearth of production. So um, you look outside of Jamal, and what do they really have? that they're willing to deal, not much. So they've kind of boxed themselves into a corner in that respect. Um, but the, the big question that, that I think that they're asking themselves right now is, would the return that they would get for Jamal Crawford exceed the benefits of losing him? And I think that's something that they're really gonna have to dig deep and, and think about hard over these next you know 20 hours or so and say, is it worth it? Are we really improving ourselves by getting rid of a prolific score who's been a great chemistry and a great team fit ever since he's been here. And and that's something that I'm not sure is gonna happen.
1: Have you heard anything specific of who they might move and how that might shake out?
2: Well, I mean, I think that the reports that have been bandied about are pretty accurate that, uh, you know, some of the guys they're targeting would be from the Nuggets and uh, Wilson Chandler and Aaron Aflalo. Now, to get them, they wouldn't be able to do a straight-up Jamal Crawford for one of those guys because the Nuggets are rebuilding, looking for draft picks. So they would need to probably move Jamal to a contender for a first-round pick, then swap that pick to Denver or another team to get – the player that they think they can they can help them at the small forward position.
1: Okay, interesting. And then that that's another train of thought because obviously I, I would think a lot of contenders would love to have a score like that off the bench. But then you're thinking to yourself, the Clippers, are those contenders that need that scorer off the bench. It's a very strange thing. Uh, my take on it as a coach's perspective would ser- certainly be they would be a better team with a 3 and D guy uh, on the wing who doesn't really need to dribble much, who doesn't need to score. Because in my opinion, when they're healthy, with you have Blake and CP3 and uh, Redick, I think you have enough offense to you know, get you when you start to shorten those rotations in the playoffs. And I think what obviously what they're missing is the defender who's gonna guard a guy like KD or any of the other fantastic wing uh, scorers there are in the West. So uh, what, what do you think about that? Is, is this something where, it, would it make them better if they got a guy like Wilson Chandler?
2: I, I think that it's something that uh, you definitely have to think about, but at the same time, uh, you have to think about the chemistry fit of integrating a new player that they're not familiar with this core has been together with Jamal. This is their third year now. They're, they're a great fit. You know, they were a Jamal Crawford fingertip layup against the Thunder in game five from, from winning that game and, and, and possibly winning that series. So uh, we know that he plays big minutes, even in the playoffs with a shortened rotation. Jamal Crawford is very valuable. I've heard some people saying, well, that you know, you don't want an ISO guy like that in the playoffs, but I think he's very valuable. I mean, obviously his defense is not as strong as somebody like Aaron Aflalo. But uh, you know, they would be they would be kind of changing on the fly with a new guy. Not sure that um, you know overall it would be worth the, the disruption to what I think is already a very good chemistry team. As far as Blake and and Chris Paul being being aware of what they have with Jamal Crawford, how to play with him uh, in big moments, and, and looking to get back to where they were last year and take the next step.
1: Uh, it was very nice of you to. Point to Jamal Crawford's finger roll miss, as opposed to the other things that happened in Game Five that ended up being a real problem. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, which brings us actually to CP3 because I'd like to talk about him for a minute. Uh, recently on Twitter, you know, when I watch games, I'm really focused on simply the plays. If I'm going through like synergy footage or whatever, I don't see all the extra stuff that's going on in between the whistles. So for some reason, I have been slightly oblivious to this meme that's going on now about CP3 being the worst complainer of all time during these games, and uh, to the point where it's kind of grading on maybe teammates. So can you fill me in? Because I, I, I've held him up to a pedestal of being the gold standard as a point guard for so long that, uh, the, well, the Game 5 was one of those moments where I, it kind of shook my belief in, in, in him, but... Um, what about this notion of, of that he is a he, he's a real problem with the referees and and people are now starting to sort of turn on him?
2: Well, I think it's a team wide problem with the Clippers more so than just Chris Paul. When you look at their technicals, I mean Matt Barnes is a is a technical magnet, and so is Blake Griffin to an extent. So uh, when you when you look at that team wide, um, I think it's not just Chris Paul, but I think one thing that he could do a better job of is reining some of these other guys in and setting a better example. As far as how to react when things don't go their way and the refs are, are, they think are have turned against them, they need to keep their mouths shut and their composure. And certainly, he's he's someone that I think they they would take their lead from it if he did a better job of that.
1: Okay, interesting. I think that the other thing I noticed somewhat recently because I had tweeted out during a game he had lost the ball and out of frustration just fouled ninety four feet from the basket, like kind of a just a not a good foul. It, it should have just gotten back on defense. And I had said, you know, every once in a while, I might see something like that happen. And people freaked out and said, no, he does that all the time. And is that the kind of thing that you see where he'll take sort of a foul out of frustration?
2: I haven't seen a, a lot of that, to be honest. No. Uh, I, I don't know which game exactly you're referring to. You remember which game it was? Boy, uh,
1: I you know, <laughs> it was on well, it was on TV here. But uh, it was probably just before the All-Star break. Um, you know, but it, it's all a blur at this point. Sure. Um, and uh, you know this is one of those. It, and by the way, it, it's a it's a typical play that you do see with like young guys, young players who haven't had the experience yet, and they kind of just you know just hit the guy. And he took the he took the foul. Like he wasn't gonna argue that he didn't foul. Uh, I th- but he took he took the opportunity to then argue that he should have gotten the call like the two plays before. And I, and I think that no one would argue that, like, as a point guard, that certainly isn't the way you want to play the game, basically out of the moment and complaining about calls that had happened two plays ago and not putting it behind him. So um, what do you think? Like, I, I think what also came out of this was, remember when he got, he fouled out, I believe, um... Uh, it was it was against Memphis on the road. It was the game that they lost uh, in that series, and he just like hammered uh, Gasol. Basically, took himself out of the game. That's the kind of thing that people were really bringing up a lot too. And I remember that, but in my mind, that was sort of few and far between. But so, you, as far as you're concerned, this is not something that happens all the time for him.
2: Uh, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, you know I've been watching Chris Paul going all the way back to his ACC days as a big uh, North Carolina State fan, and uh, you know he 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 drew a suspension for hitting uh, Julius Hodge in the groin one time, which was similar to that Gasol play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, he does have a reputation for maybe being a little more demonstrative than, than, than he could be and getting, uh, upset at certain instances. But I don't, I, nothing stood out to me this year that says that it's trending in the wrong direction or that it's, that it's an issue that the Clippers really need to, to address, to, to take the next step.
1: Fair enough. I mean, I think that he's certainly—it's a raw deal when they want to, you know, criticize him for not getting to the conference finals. It seems to me there's a lot of things that have to go right uh, across your career with other people's injuries. That it's just, you know, right, would you agree that it's not really fair when you you point to certain players not getting to a certain level sometimes because of all the things that go into getting deep in
2: the playoffs? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a litany of Hall of Fame players who've never won titles. Uh, you know, obviously Barkley's been to the finals, but um, it, it, there's so much more that goes into it than just, you know, one player and his play in a playoff series. It's who's who's around him. What are the bounces and the breaks that they get in that series? You know, who has home court advantage? You know, all sorts of dynamics that play into that. Now, I, I do feel that Chris Paula is feeling that pressure. Uh, you know, to, to take that next step. This is his 10th NBA season. He's never been past the second round. I think that is weighing on him and certainly something that he's uh, hoping to, um, to, to to get.
1: Absolutely. Well, Matt Barnes, I was looking through uh, their offense, and it's number one rated on Synergy across the board, and they're doing really well in almost every category. And it led me to kind of follow Matt Barnes's trajectory because in the beginning of the year, he couldn't make a shot, complete another utter liability, but, guys darn it, the guy is shooting out of his mind now from three. And overall efficiency, he is way up there in the league. So what, have you, has he told you anything about what he's done to suddenly change all this?
2: Well, you know, he had some personal issues going on early in the year. He had a, he went through a divorce this summer that um, you, you may or may not have known about. Um, and certainly, you know, when things like that are going on in your life, it, it can affect uh, you professionally no matter how you know much you try to put that to the side. So I think that was an issue going on. He got in a bad start, got in out of rhythm, out of sorts a little bit, had a couple of nagging injuries. But he's really played at a really high level, not only offensively but defensively. I see him as being more locked in. And actually, you know, that's another reason I would be more reluctant to trade Jamal Crawford because I think that Matt Barnes right now is giving them some pretty quality minutes at that small forward position that, you know, Wilson Chandler – you put him into that mix, and, and, and what does that do to Barnes and his effectiveness? I think it diminishes his value as well. So that's another thing that I think that the Clippers need to look at.
1: You know, it's funny because I would almost argue that he would have to go as part of all this to make it work with all the numbers because, quite honestly, I'm really surprised at how low Jamal Crawford's salary is. I think it's $5.5 and, and to me, a, a six-man-of-the-year candidate every year who can you know be the microwave off the bench— that's a pretty good deal. I know, I know Doc gets a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, criticism for being a GM, but that seems to be a a really good signing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, that's, that's an NBA average salary or worse when you, when you look at it and to get somebody who can come off the bench and, and score, you know, 23 points in a game at that salary, that's, that's, uh, you know, that that's something that the, definitely the Clippers have done well. But that was that predated Doc Rivers, his contract with with the Clippers. So, you know, you got to give Neil O'Shea a lot of credit. And one thing I want to bring up, Clippers fans have groused about is Doc Rivers as GM and that they miss somebody like a Neil O'Shea who's done a fabulous job with the Portland Trailblazers. And I think a lot of people think they don't want to let Doc do the coaching and let somebody else make the moves because a lot of people have not been – Thrilled with the moves they have made since doc came. You look at the, uh, you know, giving up Eric Bledsoe when he was still under team control. Um, the, um, the moves they made this summer to get Jordan Farmara, which really did not work out. He's already gone, been, been released. Uh, Spencer Halls has been a disappointment. Um, and you know, a lot of people thought that they shouldn't have brought in Austin rivers. I, I think he's been fine about what they could have hoped for. But, uh, you look at all those moves in conjunction with, giving up Jared Dudley and, and having to give, give, give up a trade just to get rid of him. And also the two first-round draft picks that they've made have not really amounted to anything in Reggie Bullock and C.J. Wilcox. So I think there's a lot of legitimate concerns about some of the moves they've made on the personnel side since Doc has, has come to the team.
1: Yeah, I think that they would have much rather had Jared Dudley doing what he's doing in Milwaukee now 12 points a game and steady. Uh, but it, it is interesting. Was there ever a, an explanation or insight that you've gotten as to what happened last year to make him, he didn't look good at all. Like he, he was definitely nominated for my all don't dribble more than once team. Um, and it was, and even once was a problem sometimes with him. So what about it where he, he did nicely in Phoenix He's doing nicely in Milwaukee. What do you think it was that like made him do not it's, so nicely? It's
2: pretty clear what happened. That he had a uh, knee injury. That uh, Doc uh, he he says that Doc asked him to play through this injury because they were short-handed at the time. You know, Matt was Matt was also hurt. They didn't really have many other options. So uh, Jared has said that he told Doc, "I'm gonna I can give you what I I can, but it's not going to be very good." And Doc said, "Well, we just need you to do it." So I think that there's a little bit of uh, contentiousness there that's lingering, uh, that he's, he's, he's come out in the open and basically said, look, I had a bad year because I was asked to play hurt and I did it, so don't hold it against me. And we're seeing now that he is, when healthy, a very valuable player.
1: Wow. That, you know what? That does make a lot of sense because, you know, I, I didn't know that, and I'm, I'm certainly just judging him by if he, if he was healthy, and he just didn't look balanced. He didn't look very aggressive uh, or confident, and certainly that's good to know. I, I must have missed that news item because certainly that explains a lot, and that's that is too bad. I can see how now you have the blurry lines between a GM and a coach, where the coach needs him to do something, but then if he's not going to perform, they're just going to ship you out. Uh, that that's an interesting dilemma.
2: Absolutely, and that's you know Doc likes to say that he can separate the two things, but you know there there are some 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 you know church and state lines, so to speak, <laughs> about what the roles are and are you being compromised because you have the same person doing the, those two jobs and evaluating people in in different wa- in, in the same way when they should maybe be taking different looks at, at how these people fit into their teams. How are the Clippers gonna handle Blake
1: Griffin being out? Um, are, are they gonna slide? I mean, we have our projections of them getting down closer to the sixth or seventh spe- uh, seed. Um, and you know what happens even when he comes back with the next, the last 30 or 25 games left, that's going to be a hard hole to climb out of. So what is, what is the, what's the team thinking about that and how are they going to handle? Uh, well,
2: we uh, just, we just talked to Blake today. He talked for the first time since he had the staph infection removed from his elbow. And, um, he said that the, um, doctor said it looked good. There was no drainage, uh, since within the 24 hours after the surgery, which is great news because if there's drainage and then, and, uh, and it's not clearing up, then that can be a very, very uh, lingering condition. So it looks like everything's headed in the right direction. He has a less bulky cast on his uh, elbow now, and um, it, he doesn't really have a timetable. But he says he's encouraged, and uh, he's supposed to have his stitches removed next Tuesday. So I would have, I would think that soon after that he could begin conditioning again, and maybe you know take another week to ten days, and if everything continues to move in the right direction, be back by. You know, March 10th or, or or sometime around the middle part of that month, and, and as we saw, that the Clippers have won their last two games without him, mm-hmm. uh, and really played kind of a team-oriented <laughs> ball with 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 the ball movement and, and, and played better defense. So if they can keep that up, I think maybe they can they can kind of stay status quo uh, until until Blake gets back. And let's not forget, this injury happened at a good time because it happened right before the All Star break, where they they basically at a week of not playing. Where if it happened at a different point in the season, he would have missed more games.
1: Okay, so you know I'm, I'm going to have to run to my to Twitter and say that Ben Bold says that uh, Blake Griffin can't play defense and that they're much better when he's sitting. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That'll go over well. Uh,
1: but also uh, certainly you, you, the absence of these long twos that the the. Uh, the analytics people seem to detest so much. Um, it changes their offense a little bit, and perhaps gives them a little bit more spacing. And then, you know, the, the next progression is okay. Who's the guy that's going to get to get more opportunities? And certainly, with the, by the numbers, DeAndre Jordan has been a monster. Um, but do you see – they're not, like, going to him in absence of Blake Griffin, right? He's just sort of cleaning up on the glass on his putbacks?
2: He's cleaning up, but they're also, you know, looking for him on duck ends and, and, and plays like that where if he can, if he can get – if he's near the rim and he's open, they're going to they're gonna try to feed him the ball. So I don't think Doc Rivers is going into games calling plays But I think that they are mindful of his presence, and if they have a good look and he's down there, that they'll get him the ball. And also, I've noticed that JJ Redick has really stepped up as well. He had a really nice game in that last game before the All Star break. You know, he's not known as uh, as a defender by any stretch, but you know, he helped limit James Harden to nine points uh, for a guy who's averaging twenty seven points. That's that's a that's a really nice effort.
0: Oh,
1: absolutely. I mean, J.J. Redick is going to be in position. Mean, well, all the key words you might use for a guy like J.J. Redick, he's, he's in position and he's smart and all those kind of things. But, but he is, and uh, and it does work with the, uh, with their scheme. So uh, that's why I think that um, th- they have enough offense, especially when Redick is healthy. But I guess that's the other big issue is um, can they keep him healthy? I, it, has he even been healthy this year from your observations?
2: Yeah, I mean, he, he had some back spasms that caused him to miss about three games in a row and kind of flared up a little bit. But he's been largely healthy. You know, last year he missed about half the season with with a variety of issues. So uh, if they can keep him healthy, I think he's, he's a big guy that I think is really kind of... I don't think his importance to this team could be overstated. He's a guy that really makes their offense hum with his movement off the ball, getting around screens, mm-hmm. uh, taking those little sh- mid-range shots when he has them, and also, of course, spotting up for threes. Um, he just seems to really generate activity for this team uh, and really help them get into the kind of pace that they want on offense. And And you can just tell if he's playing or not because they are a completely different team the way they operate their offense.
1: Oh, absolutely! I love offenses that are geared towards pin downs and movement, where guy he very well can be the um, a decoy. But it really causes some issues when you see the defense shifting over there, and it's almost not fair because you have CP3 who can now attack off of that, and then DeAndre Jordan who can dunk. Um, what about this notion though that the people are uh, are kind of writing them off, and they feel like the Clippers have have, have been passed by that they've missed their opportunity. I almost feel the same way, but I keep talking to people about it, saying I can't put my finger on exactly what it is. What do you think it is that people are responding to?
2: Well, I think it's the inconsistency, the wild inconsistency that we saw and it exhibited itself on that last long road trip that, that they just took where, you know, they, they scrape by Utah. They they lose to New Orleans and then they blow out San Antonio and look like world beaters doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that just raises the issue. And then two nights later or three nights later, they lose to Brooklyn, a team they had just beaten by 30, 35. I mean, it just it defies logic, the inconsistency of this team. And when you get into a, a playoff series against somebody like Golden State or Memphis, who really knows what they're doing and is going to be there mm-hmm. every night, you have to think that that does not bode well for the Clippers winning that series so i think that those concerns are very well founded and i've i found myself wondering the same thing can this team do what it does well four games in a tight playoff series to win that series and i'm just not sure they can
1: what do you think it is is there is there something that you can notice in those games where they get they're getting beat that somebody's
2: not coming through
1: or something is not on the same page
2: well i think that In those games, what I've tended to notice is that their defense actually often generates their offense in terms of getting them into the flow of what they want to do and getting them into lob city and and doing these sorts of things that when they're at their best, their defense is is really spurring on their offense. And I think in those games, they've kind of given some haphazard Efforts on defense that have carried over to the offense and the pace is off and, and they're just out of sorts. So I think it, when they're playing well defensively, you can almost bet that they're 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 going to win that game. Well, you know, I
1: called out, just for curiosity the, some five man lineups because I'm, I'm just kind of wanted to see how that was shaking out. And here's a curious thing: generally, a really good team, a top Western Conference team, is going to have at least their top two or three most played lineups a positive net rating. Uh, their second most lineup, though, is. While it's positive, it's only a 5.3 positive, which is close to to getting close to zero. And that that lineup is uh, Jamal Crawford, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, Chris Paul, and J.J. Reddick. So basically, Jamal coming in for uh, for, um, uh, Matt Uh. Barnes. Um, Whereas when Matt Barnes is in with them, they're plus 16.1. I mean, that's pretty big. So what about this notion of the bench production? I mean, I know we have, you know, Crawford is there and he gives them production. But I think he definitely takes it away on the other side. So, you know, do they have enough production? Is Hawes going to be enough of a guy off the bench? Because they're certainly not getting it from anywhere else on the big guys.
2: Well, it's interesting that, um, you know, Hawes has pretty much been a pretty big disappointment. But we did see in the first game that Blake missed, he had 17 points in the first half and just looked like he looked amazing. I think like the guy that the Clippers thought (laughs) they were getting. so I know that the potential is there. I think he's just really struggled to, to integrate himself into this bench role. Um, and I think they're hoping that, you know, we've got, they've got what, like 25 more games to kind of get him figured out as to, as to what he can do and what his strengths are that they can utilize with that second unit. Um, now, Austin rivers is, is, has helped them defensively, not as much offensively. He did have a streak of about three consecutive double figure games there, but um you know, there's not a lot of, a lot of uh, scoring punch on that bench besides Crawford. I mean, we've talked about this, but, you know, um, Glenn Davis, Hito Turkoglu, I mean, these are guys who are going to give you a basket every now and then, but not really like uh, guys that you're going to want to, you know, be on the floor in key moments in playoff games. So um, definitely some, some, some question marks there about uh, what they can really get out of this second unit.
1: Right now the argument could be that the, that the rotations get really short in the in the playoffs so you don't really need much more than 16 17 minutes from Hawes and maybe like 6 minutes from Big Baby uh, I haven't liked anything I've seen from Big Baby. I really haven't seen much from Turkaloo either. Uh, the one thing I'd be concerned about with Austin Rivers is he's got a big X on his chest. As soon as he checks in, you watch the other team just goes at him like bloody murder any chance they get. And, you know, I don't know. You're, you are seeing some some better defensive efforts out of him recently?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, the first couple of games, he, he did a pretty good job of, of checking the backup point guard. They played him at times with Chris Paul on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they like that his his length is is um, he's pretty big for 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 a backup point guard. I think he's he's six five uh, with some good length and not the fastest guy in the world, but I think he can do a decent job of staying in front of his guy. So um, with that and, then, and they like the fact that he does penetrate on offense and get other guys involved. So um, I, I I you know it, it was easy to want to really just say that this was a terrible move and he he's been awful, but he, he really has. And I, I mean I think he's been. A, a decent NBA player not, not nothing nothing great but certainly uh, not, not a disaster like I think some people were fearing
1: well uh, that's an interesting take on all those things Clippers Ben thanks for coming on the show and offering this up you have to come back again maybe we can spend a little more time now that we've got our Skype all sorted out uh, but thanks again everybody make sure to follow Ben on Twitter and read his stuff at the LA Times uh, and Ben you gotta come back Absolutely, anytime. And then don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel, we're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Ben? Absolutely, count me in. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can seem intense. Like, breakup R&B intense.
2: I thought you said you love a
0: sweater that I got you. If you didn't, you could have told me.
1: Geico makes it easy. Just go to Geico.com anytime to update or check your policy without all the extra drama.
0: I even had a gift Safeway makes it easy to save at the pump with your club card because you can use up to $0.20 per gallon in Safeway Gas Rewards at participating Chevron and Texaco stations. Get more mileage out of your grocery budget, up to $0.20 per gallon. When you shop more at Safeway, you save more at Chevron and Texaco. Maximum reward at participating Chevron or Texaco stations is $0.20 per gallon in a single fill-up, up up to 25 gallons. Cannot be combined with any other Safeway Gas Reward offer. Restrictions and exclusions apply. See complete details at Safeway.com or in-store.